Toto, we ain't in Kansas anymore, so better make sure you click your ruby red slippers together three times, because we're off to see the wizard. The, yes, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey, gang, how's it going, Russell Westcott? So, <laughs> I'm having a wonderful day. However, my, the old voice box is just not working today. I've been, I've been on some webinars and coaching and training literally all day, and, you know, the old voice box is starting to give out on me here. So, I, I'm going to keep this one, you know, I'm going to try to save your ear buds, and I'm going to keep this one painfully short um, with the introduction, the context, and just a few things there. So, Guys, um, hope I got your attention on the fun part of the opening tease to this webinar. I've been, this is an exciting one. I've been sitting on this one for literally almost six weeks, maybe even seven weeks. It was recorded quite a while ago. Um, had a great opportunity of connecting with a wonderful uh, influencer, a wonderful author, Steve D. Sims. If you don't know who Steve is, Steve wrote the, the book um, Blue Fishing. And if you don't know what the heck that means, we will cover that. Plus, also, Steve has a brand new book coming out, and if I'm launching this on the correct day, it's coming out on October the 18th. So we are hitting the airwaves with this podcast on the correct day. So Steve's brand new book is called Go for Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals. And Steve is truly blessed. He is truly a savant when it comes to making things happen. I think we use the term in, in this as, you know, just getting shit done, getting shit done. And uh, it's crazy. Some of the stories he shares in his books and also a couple of the stories he shares in this podcast are just some of those ones that just aren't too believed. And like I said, I'm going to keep this one really tight just because the old voice box is just not performing well. And I don't think there's enough EQ curves in the world to fix this one today. So gang, we, we talk a lot about how do you accomplish your goals, right? Really, that's where it comes down to is you have goals, you have dreams, you have desires. How do you go for it? How do you deal with the failure? How do you deal with the haters? How do you deal with the insecurities? How do you just deal with it and just get her done? So Steve and I go really deep. You know, I wish I had, you know, probably another four hours. Always, always want more time with the guests. But Steve was very gracious to offer um, about almost 50 minutes, five zero minutes here. And we went really deep. And one of the first questions I asked him was one of the most important questions that you will, like, I, I really want to hit him over the head with a tough Pardon the pun. Tough question right off the bat. So you want to find out what that question is? Well, you better listen to the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the real life Wizard of Oz, Mr. Steve D. Sims. Hey, Steve Sims, how you doing, my friend? Welcome to the show here today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Steve, you know, I, I always like to hit my guess with a very hard hitting, important question right off the bat. Okay. So we're going to go really deep into this first question. Okay. okay. Steve, blade or razor to get that beautiful chrome dome going there? <laughs> I have always used a blade. I've always used a blade on it. 
blade. Now, are you a blade person in the shower? Now, I know too much information, but are you a this blade in the shower? This is getting a little bit, yeah, but I'm in the shower. I always shave in the shower. Yep. Well, we're, we're of like minds there. And <laughs> I actually found a solution. It's called a pit bull razor. Now, it makes me feel more manly. I've heard of that, yeah. It's phenomenal. You can actually use it in the shower with the lather and everything like that. It, it, it's actually a fun experience of shaving your head in the shower. Then I, 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 you know, funny enough, I hadn't heard of it until two weeks ago. Yep. And I think maybe you're the sixth person that's pulled that name up. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to Google them. Yep. They're fun. And, and they're actually a really good, if, if you're, if you like marketing, they're a fantastic uh, marketing example too. And uh, nice. once you do hit their website, they'll, 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 they'll creep you with all their, you know, their retargeting yeah, ads. And, forever. Yeah. 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 But but I know you like a good marketing and you like a good website and stuff like that. Um, it's a it's a wonderful experience to be honest. Good, thank yeah. you. Okay, Steve. Um, so first of all, thank you. I want to just thank you for taking the time. I know you're crazy, super busy, and and we'll keep this conversation tight. Um, you're right in the middle of a book launch, and you've made an impact on you know thousands, countless thousands of people's lives. And and to be brutally honest. I think you need to be out to a bigger audience. Like I, I polled my group and my core audiences and in my personal opinion, not enough people had read your books yet. And I think that needs to change. So, well, thank you. yeah. So let's, let's do our best to get the good message and the good gospel of Steve D Sims out into the world. Now, why, why the D? Why, why is the D in there, my friend? Uh, again, it goes down to marketing. Um, one of the things that always annoyed me was when people would say, hey, if you want to reach me on Twitter, I'm Steve underscore one, two, three. And on Instagram, I'm the real Steve. And then on Facebook, I'm maybe Steve. And so that annoyed me. So what I did was I found that there was a couple of people that had Steve Sims, but no one had the D. And my initial, my middle initials D. So that was pretty easy. So by just smacking that in there, I got Steve D Sims everywhere. SteveDSims.com. And anywhere you get your media, I'm Steve D Sims. Nice. Okay. That's a good lesson to have is on personal branding and and own your own name. Own your dot com. Yep. Own own everything. Oh yeah. When you sit there, go just Google SteveDSims.com and you will find your your everything, your your universe, if you will. Yep. You will. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So so you know, with that accent, Steve, um, is that um, is that uh, Midwestern Midwestern Canada Midwestern US? Where, where's that accent from? I, I don't have an accent. You have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to talk about some y'alls and a's and stuff like that. Being a Canadian, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm classic. I'm classic British East London. So are you going to have some oi in here or, or oi bird? Or, you know, you're gonna... and maybe maybe some profanity, although we'll try and can like calm that down. Not have too much of that in there. So it's a public show. Well, that's true. And and I think most people, I've been getting a lot of my um, my British accent education from watching uh, Ted Lasso. And, and Ted Lasso, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a fantastic? Yeah, that was, that was a huge hit. It's amazing what, like, everyone expects you to either be a character from Ted Lasso or a character from Peaky Blinders. It's, uh, it's, it's a funny thing. So which one are you? Are you a little more one of the other? 
I'm probably more Peaky Blinders than I am uh, Ted Lasso. Nice. Very nice. Well, so let's, uh, there's a good place to enter the conversation is, um, you know, I highly encourage everybody to pick up first Steve's first book, Blue Fishing. Fantastic book. Read it multiple times. Um, I'd encourage you to get the audiobook version. It's it's actually more entertaining to than than the the paperback version because Steve reads it himself and you you embellish a lot of things. You're 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 a natural entertainer. You're, you truly are, and it is one of the most enjoyable listens that you will get. But um, Steve, now I know you've been on thousands of podcasts and interviews and stuff like that, and you're probably tired of telling your same story over and over and over again, right? What would be a unique story, one that maybe you haven't shared a lot about your upbringing, which has kind of shaped you as who you are, and something maybe a little more um, that you haven't shared on some other podcasts that you can offer to my audience here? So a friend of mine once said, and he's a a very famous actor, he turned around and said, you've heard your story, but the guy in front of you has not. So you have to realize and respect that other people have not heard what you've been up to. So that's always kind of framed it well for me. Um, My story, well, I can tell you straight off the bat, it's exactly the same as everyone listening. I grew up with no money. I was aggravated. I was frustrated and I was curious. That is basically the cornerstone of every entrepreneur. Um, And I went out to try and satisfy those. I wanted to hang around with wealthy people because I knew hanging around with poor people, nothing happened. Because I was poor, my mates were poor, and nothing happened. So if I could hang around with wealthy people, maybe magic happened. So that's what I did. I went out to try and find people with money, have conversations with them. And I just ended up finding the easiest way to communicate with anyone is to be a solution to that problem. Whatever it is, you know, if I want to speak to a mechanic, if I want to speak to a rock star, if I want to speak to a, you know, a pianist, find out a problem they've got, solve it and be a value straight away in their, in their world. That's what I did. Um, and I try to hang around with wealthy people and I found out the commonality, the common problem that most new wealthy people had in the 90s was they wanted more interesting cocktail stories. So I had to introduce them to people. I had to get them backstage. I had to get them in the restaurants that they couldn't get into, parties that they weren't on the guest list for. And I did all of that, not because I was a social butterfly, but because I wanted to have that conversation. We've always said that my business, my concierge business, because I was well known as being the concierge to the richest people in the planet, my concierge business was a Trojan horse. If I can look after you over here, I can have a conversation with you over here. And that's what it was. Um, And it went on for about 20 plus years. Now I teach and I speak and I coach all over the planet. But to give you a story to sum up one of the things I got up to, I'll give you two. I had one client that uh, throughout his entrepreneurial journey had the ups and downs, the rich, the poor, the illness, the divorce, all these kind of things. All the way through his life, he had listened to um, Journey. And he said to me that Journey was like the theme tune to my life. I'd love to go backstage and shake their hand. Lesson number one, never give a client what they ask for. Because if you do, you've just completed a transaction. And if you can be a transactional person, then Amazon's just about to put you out of business. So never give a client what they ask for. Give them what they desire. 
So I thought to myself, your entire life journey has been the theme tune to it. Are you telling me that the climax of this, I don't know, movie would be you shaking their hands and then forgetting your name before they've even made it to the changing room? That would be the climax of that story? Not on my watch. So what we did was we actually got him to meet the band and then brought up on stage during a live concert in San Diego where he sang and is now registered as the shortest team lead singer of the rock band Journey. That was the climax. He actually performed on stage with his favorite rock band. So that was one of them. And then the second one that a lot of people know, but maybe your crowd don't, was that I had a client that wanted to have a, a dining experience in Florence, Italy. So I wanted to see how I could go for stupid on this request. So we actually closed down the Academia, the Galleria Museum, which for many of you probably never heard of it, but it's the museum that houses the most iconic statue in the world, Michelangelo's David. And at nine o'clock at night, we set up a table of six at the feet of David, string quartet, piano, rose petals all over the place, and my client walked in with his fiance and his mother-in-law and father-in-law, and they sat down and they had an amazing dinner with the string quartet, with Michelangelo's David as a view. And then halfway through his pasta, I asked if I could bring in a local entertainer to serenade him. And I walked in with Andrea Bocelli to serenade him during his pasta. Wow. Like, like I guess you're you've really truly have earned your your nick your your moniker of the wizard the real life wizard of oz about about getting stuff done like getting things done like it truly is not a joke about the, the subtitle of your book is you know the art of making things happen and steve I, i'm surprised that you didn't fight harder to probably get you know the art of making shit happen on there probably did your publisher you know, not want it <laughs> i funny enough that was my title. At the beginning, it was the title. And they came back to me and they said, you don't need that. And at the time, I was noticing there was a lot of books coming out with F-bombs and shit, this. And, and I just thought to myself, I don't need that. And a lot of people will do it to get the attention. I didn't need that attention. And so I'm very pleased I listened to them with changing it. But, yeah, my original one was the... Uh, the art of making shit happen. I actually had that on my title. Nice, nice. Well, well, we're, there's no shortage of dropping bombs here today, my friend. So we will be <laughs> we will be dropping many a bomb in here. Okay, so I have a whole bunch of questions that I want to ask, and 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 I know we're we're going to be short on time, but I, I'm going to cut right to the important things. Um, Okay, so we're going to get here to interior your new book here very shortly. But you, you mentioned something earlier, and I think you are one of the best I've seen at it. You and, and another one of uh, dear personal friend, Philip McKernan. And I think you know Philip and Pauline as well. Um, yes, I do. You guys, uh, is it something about the Irish or something about, uh, you know, in, in Europe, about some of the best storytellers I know are people that come from that area? And... Uh, <laughs> What would be some of your advice if somebody is sitting here and wanting to, you know, tell a good story and learn how to public speak and and put out their word, their their ideas into the world? What would be some things that you'd share with somebody? So the funny thing is, um, I used to speak on a lot of stages around the world of luxury because that's what I did, um, and I never ever classed myself as a speaker. Never thought I was any good at it, and never wanted to do it. And then. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Jason Gaynard that has uh, mastermind talks, mastermind dinners, 
And he invited me up to do this speaking gig in Toronto that Philip McKernan was at, which was the first time I ever got to meet Philip. And it was a competition. It was a speaking competition. The speakers got ranked. And I came second or third uh, over a two-day event of like about 16 speakers. And I'm like, that's crazy. And afterwards, people were like, oh, you're going to be doing this speaking gig. Are you doing that? And I thought to myself, shall I? And I remember actually reaching out to Philip and saying, I don't know if I want to be doing this, you know? And I remember him correcting me, and I've always remembered this. And he said, it's not about you, it's about them. And if you've got something that can help somebody else, then it's an obligation now. And so I started to reframe that, and I realized I'm not going to get any better looking. I'm not going to sound any smoother. But if what I can say can help you drive impact in what it is you do, change your, your route, your trajectory, change the way that you do business, then I absolutely want to be part of that. And I want to be there to help that actually happen. So for that reason, I did start going out there and offering myself up for speaking gigs. And now it's just gone ridiculous. That was about five years ago when I actually released the book, um, and all of a sudden, I ended up speaking with Richard Branson, Gary V. I'd probably spoken on some of the biggest stages in the planet and continuing. I'm in uh, Canada in two weeks' time. Then I'm headlining Traffic and Conversion, San Diego. Then I'm back in Hollywood. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. So the key is stop worrying about what you look like and sound like and start focusing on the fact, does your experience help somebody else in that room? Wow, that's brilliant. It's something similar I share with people is too, is some people always say, well, I'm I'm scared to get on a stage in front of people. And they say, well, obviously you don't want to fail, correct? And they say, no, I don't want to fail. The reason why you're scared about failing is because you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about all that. If you deliver everything you possibly can to help another person's intention about what they're looking for, it's impossible to fail. So just get out yeah. of your own way and just let it rip and have some fun, right? So absolutely, absolutely. And definitely be you. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a big shock to everyone, but it takes zero effort for me to be me. So <laughs> if you just stop trying to put on some kind of facade of, oh, look at me, I'm sexy, I'm beautiful, I'm eloquent. No one wants that. Everyone wants, you know, can like, how can you help me? That's the whole focus of you being up on stage. Nice. And and I know we're going to jump, we're going to jump quickly into to blue fishing, but I do have to say before we talk about this, I do have to mention, you know, one fish, two fish, red fish before we do it. <laughs> so, so now that I've used the password, we can now talk about blue fishing, can we not? We absolutely can. <laughs> okay. And so for those of you that have not read the book, you're probably going, Russell, what are you talking about? Pick up the book, read the book. It'll make a lot of sense because you do need to know the password in order to unlock the doors. Okay. Um, one of the things that you shared in there, which was really impactful for me, uh, which was very deep and profound, uh, and not that I'm surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Is uh, you, you talked about the asking the, the why three times. Asking why three times. Do you mind sharing with my audience what you mean by asking the why? Because you're, you're the guy that gets the impossible done. And you, you know, you're, you're not shy about asking people questions and asking for the impossible. What do you mean by asking why three times? So you say you're not surprised that it was powerful within the book. I am more than surprised. I am stunned 
because when I wrote the book, I thought to myself, it's not going to get anywhere. I'm just going to write it because, hey, it'll be an interesting experience. I can call myself an author. And it was all those kind of things. I wasn't expecting it to be anything more dramatic than that. I wasn't expecting it to become a bestseller in Korean, Mandarin, Chinese, Thai, Vietnamese, Polish, Russian, as well as here in the States and in Australia. It was a massive surprise. And it was a surprise because these simple, stupid, ridiculous little tactics people choose to overlook and ignore. And it wasn't so much that I was scared of asking why. It was I was inquisitive to understand why. And in today's society, and you can try this, if you say to a friend of yours, hey, if you had $10 million, what would you do this weekend? They'll say something like, oh, I'd get a jet and I'd go flying off to Vegas and I'd, I'd party all weekend and I'd get drunk. And you go, that's great. But what would you do in four months' time? And once they've got over that knee-jerk reaction, then they start thinking. Bottom line of it is, what's important now starts coming to the top. You're actually tricking it through. And I'll, I'll actually give you a story, which will give you an example of this which I did with one of my coaching clients. So she's a realtor. She wanted to become better known in her area. And I was coaching her to do stuff. And she actually came to me and she's like, I, I really need to talk to you. And this was ahead of our scheduled call. And I was like, let's chat. Yeah, what's the problem? And she said, I've got this great opportunity, but I'm blowing it. And I said, how? What's going on? And she was very flustered. She said, this woman... One of these, you know, very well-known ladies in the area, very successful, very powerful, very influential, had come to her requesting a property. And I'm like, great. So the marketing, the branding, that's work, that's working. What's next? She said, Well, she contacted me. She said, I want to be in this street. I want a three-bedroom house and I want to have a swimming pool. And I'm like, okay. And she said, and I gave her everything in that street. And she didn't like any of it. I went to doors that weren't up for sale, knocked on the door going, hey, would you be interested? And then I offered them to her and she didn't want anything to do with it. And I've been trying to find her anything and the street's not that big. So where am I going wrong? I'm giving her everything she asked for. And I went, that's where you're going wrong. You didn't ask why. She's like, what do you mean? I said, okay. When someone asks you a question, you say to them, hey, thank you very much. Great, I, I, I got it. But why is that important? And then when they tell you that's why important, you can go, okay, now I've got to clear. So why is now the time that that's got to action? And you go through another why. And you ask why three times. We joke in the office, we call it having a Sherlock. You know, you've got to get into the why. And I said to her, this is what you've got to do. What you did do is you tried to complete a transaction. I want this. Here it is, buy it. If anyone buys a transaction, Amazon's just waiting to put you out of business. What you've got to do is this. You've got to go back to her and you go, hey, I owe you an apology. You came to me because you wanted this property, but I didn't do the service that I should have done with you. I need to ask you one question. Why do you want a three-bedroom house with a swimming pool on this street? Why? So she said, oh, really, I've got to do I went, you have to do that. So she went back to her and she actually asked her that question. And then she asked her, why now? Why is it important? Why is it we have to do it at this moment in time? And the woman came back to her and she said, I want a property in this street because that's the it street. 
And when my mum and I used to live just outside of town and we'd go to the mall, we used to drive through this street on the way to the mall. Even though it was a detour to get there, we would do it because this was the it street. This was the movers and shakers. I'm doing very well now in my life and I want to arrive where my mum will be proud of me. And she was like, okay, so you don't want to move to that street. You want your mum to be aware you've moved to the it street. You want to move to the area where the movers and shakers live. Now, we all know the it street from 10 years ago, nine times out of 10, isn't the it street of today. You know, the trendy suburb has moved, especially with this growth of regentrification and all the horrible lofts, now these $2 million penthouses. So when she realized the reasoning behind the question, she went back to her and she said, there's actually two it streets in our area. And you know, neither of them are this street. The first street she showed her, the first house she showed her, she purchased. She had dared to challenge the question to get an understanding of why there was the question or the request in the first place. That's why you ask why. I sure hope you're enjoying this wonderful interview and discussion with Steve Sims. We're going to be jumping right back to the interview here shortly. But first, good friends from Streetwise Mortgages are back with a cash flow booster. If you're interested in getting a little more cash flow out of your portfolio, make sure you listen to this episode. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. With all of the talk about how rising rates have increased variable and adjustable rate mortgage payments in some cases by more than 60% and the impact of that on property cash flow and monthly budgets. I wanted to share with you a strategy that we call the cash flow booster that is coming currently handy in alleviating some of the pressure and can help you Ride the wave that can potentially last for 18 months before things start to get better and rates go back down. If you're currently on an adjustable rate mortgage where the monthly mortgage payment has changed as the rates went up, or you are in a variable rate mortgage where you have hit or about to hit the trigger rate, and I've also seen an increase in your mortgage payment as a result, or you are currently considering a renewal and you're concerned about a significant increase in your mortgage payment because you are renewing at higher rates, then grab a pen and a paper as I am about to share with you a powerful cash flow management tool that will help you ease up the pressure on your pocket and can also turn a property cash flow negative to a cash flow positive. Say you have a mortgage on a rental property for $520,000 and that your interest rate is now close to 5% and the amortization is 30 years. On that property, the principal and interest payment would be about $2,760. Say this property is renting for $3,500 and the total expense ratio of taxes, insurance, and vacancies is another $1,000. If you run the math, this property would be not, it would be cash flow negative at about $310 every single month. One way to turn this negative cash flow to a positive cash flow is the following. Step number one, 
we set up an advanceable line of credit on the property. The benefit of an advanceable line is that it increases in the limit as you pay down the principal of the mortgage. So in this example, the mortgage payment is 2760 When an advanceable line gets connected to that property, that line would increase by the principal paid down every month, which is $489 every time that mortgage payment is made. Step number two, and here is where things get cool. Instead of paying down that mortgage from the rental income, we can tap into the advanceable line or we can tap into another secured line on another property within your portfolio to pay down that mortgage payment. So basically take $2,760 from the line to pay down the principal and interest every month. This then will leave you with an outstanding balance on the line every month of 2,760, which costs about $14 of interest per month. You've heard that right. The monthly mortgage expense went down from 2,760 to $14 per month because you shifted the payment that is principal and interest into an interest only payment. That is an extra $2,764 per month of cash flow that you should now keep as a reserve for the times ahead instead of feeding this property money every month. But you'll say, Dahlia, now I'm tapping into this line of credit to pay down the mortgage. How is this helping me out? Well, let me explain. Firstly, you are now accumulating cash flow and you don't have to feed this property money every month. That is a lot of pressure off. Secondly, while you have used 2760 from the line, remember, you are getting back the principal pay down every month added to that line. Let's say you carry these payments for um, 18 months. By the end of the 18 months, you would have accumulated close to $50,000 in cash because of that extra cash flow. Your line of credit balance would be close to about $50,000 as well. The annual interest payment on that $50,000 would be $250 annually. Fast forward 18 months out, your rents would have hopefully increased or you are in a better financing position, or rates have improved, allowing you to pay the mortgage in a normal fashion. You can then continue to pay interest only on that line, or use some or all of the cash you've accumulated to clear it or pay a large chunk back, or you can convert it to a mortgage at the time by calling the branch. If you wish to deploy this cash booster strategy, contact us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. And and just keep going deeper, three levels deep, to really get truly to what the core intention behind it is. And that's something I share, not to that eloquent and to that level, when I'm when I'm training some of my um, real estate investors on when you're having a conversation with an investment partner, right? Find out what the what the capital means to them. Like, what would you do if you made $100,000 in the next five years? What would you do with it? Why is that important to you? Like, And then eventually you'll get down to something of some way, form of some significance. They want to help somebody out. There's something, you know, prove the, the, the guys from, from high school wrong. And, you know, you know, that I've made something of myself, whatever. There's usually, there's always a couple layers deeper. 
in that. So, okay. Yep. So, th- fantastic. Th- thank you for that. So, guys, I highly encourage you to get blue fishing. Now, I would not be a, a good host or a, if I didn't ask you, what was a, what's, what is a blue fisher? Like, what is that? Like, is it is it part of the marketing <laughs> shtick? Because I, I would a, imagine, I imagine most people would probably sit there going, like, Steve, blue fishing. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, what what, yeah. is, what is what is it? Or who who is a blue so- fisher? That that's a great question because it it's it's no one and it's everyone. When we started the 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 concierge company and I started to do my private events and my private parties and my private access, one of the goals that I had was to focus on the room. You see, I have always focused on make sure you are in the right room with great people with with great things to happen. And to do that, you've got to protect that front door. You see, even now, I always say, protect your front door. You will remove 99% of the problems once they're in. If someone's being a bit of a prick to you before they become a client, they're not going to get better once they've been working with you for five years. (laughs) So always protect your front door. So what we used to do was there was so much ego around money that I would act a filter by going, hey, this is where the party is. And I would give them a silly thing to say. I would say, to get into the party, you've got to name one of the Teletubbies. You've got to name Big Bird's friend from uh, Sesame Street. And one of the other ones, finish this sentence from the famous Dr. Zeus, one fish, two fish, red fish. Finish that sentence. Mm, uh, doc, so we would Dr. have people Seuss, come up to yes, us. Bluefish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would walk up to us and they would go, bluefish. And we'd go, hey, in you go, enjoy the party. And then we'd get some arrogant people to go, I'm here for the party. I, I I don't know about a party. And there's a queue behind them. There's a whole bunch of people behind us. And we're the doorman. And we're filtering that guy. And we'd be like, no, I don't think there's a party here, mate. You know, and, and we would send them away. We would literally kick them out of the line. And we didn't expect Bluefish to take off. As I say, it was like one of maybe four or five passwords we used. But then when, when they got into the party, we would end up having like a, a, an acrobat suddenly turn up or they would get into the party and then we'd make them leave and get on a bus and the party would actually be somewhere else. We were constantly surprising people. And people would say that we'd go to this party and then we'd be bluefished. We'd suddenly end up here or we'd do this or so-and-so would turn up. And it became an adjective. And so when you went to a concert, Hey, normal people go to a concert, but when a blue fisher goes to the concert, they go backstage and they actually get to hang out with the with the talent. So all of a sudden, this this action, this momentum, became the word blue fishing and a blue fisher. Now we didn't do that; we just started with a little thing, the name, just to get into the party. But then people run with it, and it became an adjective. And people would say to me, "Ah, oh, Steve, I had a kid's birthday party the other day." But I bluefished the crap out of it. I had a giraffe come in, you know, or I had Cirque du Soleil turn up. And I'm like, great. And we had no idea the bluefish had actually become an adjective. So that's where the whole bluefishing came from. Wow. And and so it just became a movement. It became a movement about over-delivering yeah. an experience for your clients it, and over-delivering yeah, some fun. It came to stand. It came to stand for doing more than what was you, you were told to accept. Wow. Um 
And we found quite we found quite proud of it. It, it helped our community. You know, some people joked that it was actually starting a cult. Um, we prefer the word culture, but you know, it was an interesting, interesting time frame. Well, I have to, I can't leave two open loops here about some of the passwords you were looking for. So would Tinky Winky su- suffice? And also Snuffleupagus, would those be two that would suffice? To- those would be. <laughs> Do you know the one that always got people, which was really funny? This, because bear in mind, I started this in the early 90s. So we didn't have, you know, smartphones to give us the answers. But the one that really, really, really caused a problem was the name of, name the lion. In the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, I wouldn't get that one. No, that, that, we just thought that would be really easy. Yeah. It was Aslan. Oh, well, there you go. I, but, I, yeah, I, but the funny thing is, people would come up to us. They wanted to go to the party. That actually paid for the party. And they'd come up to us and they'd be like, I don't know what the name of the lion is. Is it? Is it Lion? You know? And of yeah. course it wasn't. But because they were so into it, and because they were willing to have that bit of humor, we'd be like, no, it's not. But get it right next time. In you go. Enjoy the night. Right. So we weren't we weren't bullies. We weren't be like, no, you never got it. Get out. But as long as someone could show us some kind of humility and prove to us that they were the kind of person. And here's a funny thing. We had this bartender that um, looked after the bar on a couple of our parties. And she said, I love your parties because of the front door. And I thought they were talking about the actual password. And we were like, yeah, we'd like to party. She's like, no, no, no. Whenever you walk into a playground, whenever you walk into a gymnasium, whenever you walk into a networking event, people stare at you, don't they? They kind of like, who's this? Who's this coming into our sandpit? Who's this coming into our place? Even though we're older now, we know that's stupid. Someone walks into the door of a networking event and you all look over just to check them out. Who's that coming in? All right. But with our parties, because everyone was walking through the door with a smile on their face because of this stupid password, you were watching the room, not because who's coming in the door, but to get that another hit of that, oh, they they got the password. That's and everyone that walked into the room smiled. Can you imagine if everyone that walked into your room, into your business, entered with a big fat smile on their face? What would it change the culture to to the inside of that room? Woo wee! Hang on, bringing the fire. Woo wee! And then whenever fire happens, guys, you know what happens after the fire ignites. Woo! It's getting hot in here, my friend. Getting hot in here. <laughs> uh, okay, so thank you. And and I have a feeling if I got if we really got you revved up here on and got you a little tailwind too, you'd be you'd probably you know even start cranking about about eight hundred words a second here at the same time too. <laughs> and that's just because you, you one of your chapters in Blue Fishing is about passion, and it's all about you know if what's the point if you don't have passion. Like, seriously, like, what is the point? If you don't live with it and you don't bring it each and every day, like, what is the point? So pivoting on from blue fishing, you have a brand new book that's just coming out. And I want to just make sure I get the the title correct. It's Go For for Stupid, The Art of Achieving Ridiculous Goals. So when's that one dropping, Steve? 18th of October. Is it available? I actually checked on Amazon. It's not available for pre-sale at it's, the moment. No, we, we, I don't know why, but when speaking with a couple of the marketing people that I know, we were kind of like, we're not going to do a pre-sale. We're just going to, on the 18th of October, 
bang, it's out. There you go. So you can go to over to stevedsims.com or you can text the word SIMS, S-I-M-S, to 33777. And you can actually get on my list. So the second that it lands, bang, I'm going to launch it out there. But that's when it comes out, 18th of October. And it'll be available, obviously, through yep. Amazon. Just look up, go for stupid. Yep. And 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 Steve, um, now, I, I like checking out websites and seeing the, the work that people do. This is one of the best personal branded websites that I've seen out there right now. Maybe it's just because of the haircut. and, uh, and that. I think so. We share that. That's right. We have something akin. And it's interesting. I actually worked a door at a bar in my university town at the same time too. <laughs> but that's how I started before I bartended. But I love, it's just something about bartending. You just control the room and you just own it. You light somebody's smoke when they needed a, a smoke. And it just, it was just, it was fun. So... Okay, so back to the new book. Um, yeah. Why did you write this book? And, and, and more importantly, some people are sitting there going, okay, oh, geez, another goal-setting book. Okay, there's like there's thousands of, <laughs> of shelf-help books out there of, of goal-setting that we have on our shelf that we don't, you know, don't do anything. What, what will make this one different than another goal-setting book that somebody might pick up? So a lot of books teach you what to do. I'm going to teach you what not to do. And I think that would probably be the, the big, and I've only, I, I've only just thought of that as you were asking the question. You see, my book started off with the annoyance of COVID. When COVID came across, so did everyone's ability to come up with really shitty excuses. Oh, I can't go to the gym now because it's COVID. You weren't going to the gym before COVID. Oh, I can't hang out with my friends. I can't network. I can't establish true relationships. You were pretty shit at it before COVID. Now you've just got a great excuse. And I started dropping these little memes and these little statements and quotes on my Instagram. And I'm not very subtle. And a few people were like, you're really angry about this. And I was like, I'm sick that people are using today as an excuse. And then it got worse. I realized that we suddenly moved into the cancel culture. We moved into the, to the laughing culture. We want to look at someone, point and stare and ridicule them. We don't want to support them. We don't want to lift them up. We don't want them to, we don't want to challenge people to be better. We want to bring them up and shit on them. We love it when we can laugh at other people. And that's wrong. And it got me very aggravated. I thought to myself, there's this old saying, what would you do today if you couldn't fail? Well, if you think about it, don't we love failing? Isn't failing where the education comes from? Don't we learn more from the failure than we do from the success? I want to fail. I can, I can honestly tell you that if I'm not failing, I'm not trying. But what people really hate today is being laughed at. And so I thought to myself, what would you do today if you had no fear of someone laughing at you? And then I looked at all of my friends and the people that I knew, and I started quizzing them during COVID. And I spoke to Elon Musk, Sarah and John, and these kind of people, and realized that they handle that differently. They either can't hear you or they don't care. And I realized that when I was a concierge, and I, I mentioned it earlier, one of our little taglines was someone would ask for something, and then I'd be like, okay, I wouldn't use this word impossible. I've never used it. I would say, okay, what can we do here? Hey, how can we make this stupid? 
this guy wants to do this. How can we make that goal ridiculous? How can we go for stupid? How can I help this target be so laughable that it stands the chance to actually be done? And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to challenge myself, not to what I can achieve. What the hell do I know what I can achieve? I'm a bricklayer from East London. If I went for what I could achieve, I'd be doing a millimeter or an inch more than what I've normally done. But if I dare to go for stupid, I'm closing down museums. I'm talking to people in the Vatican. I'm hanging out with Richard Branson. I'm hanging out with Elon Musk. I'm hanging out with the Pope. I'm doing all of these things because I dared to go for them. So the whole book's got antidotes from me. It's got examples of things that people thought were stupid. Did you know that Henry Ford got petitioned and there was a protest marching to get him not to do the car? And do you know why they were protesting that he shouldn't be allowed to do the car? This was the answer. Because their horses could go through the woods and the cars couldn't. <laughs> that was, that's why they, we don't want cars because they can't go through the woods, you know? The light bulb, coffee. People tried to ban coffee as a drug. You know, Edison, they tried to ban the light bulb because it was dangerous. Get this, the light bulb's dangerous. All of our candles are not. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was the reason. So the bottom line of it is, how laughable is your goal and, and, and target? So I put in there how I've done it. I put in there how some friends and some associates and people that I know, how they've looked at going for, for stupid goals. And then I want you to stop worrying about the people that are laughing at you because everybody that laughs at you is scared that you're going to do it and prove that they are inadequate to do so. But Steve, that's what I wanted to change. When people laugh at you, that's scary. It goes back to our third grade, you know, elementary school teacher that chastises us and raps us on the head and said, "Don't be wrong." And it, it's 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 deeply ingrained. That's uh, you know, first of all, thank you for being the um, ambassador of possibility. Are, are you are you a movie fan? I am. Yeah, of uh, I am. familiar with Jerry Maguire. Of course, the, yeah. uh, the ambassador the of qualm, yeah. the ambassador of qualm, right? You're the ambassador, yeah. the being the ambassador and taking a stand for people to do the improbable and make it possible. And I think of people that I've seen, you have the chops to back it up too. Like there's a lot of people out there that would talk the talk. Um, you actually can walk, walk the walk at the same time. Now, which leads... But it's not. Go ahead. But it's not because I went to MIT or Harvard or Oxford. It's because I dared to try. And that's the key. I'm here to show you that while you're sitting at home going, I could never do that. I want you to look at the screen and look at this bricklayer from East London and go, well, hang on a minute. If he did it, I'm already out of excuses. That's what I want to challenge people to do. Well, even people with a, a little bit more of a head of hair than the, the two of us combined, you can't even find a follicle here. <laughs> uh, okay, so... so couple questions here, and I, I do, I'm going to be respectful for your time because I know you have a, a you. lot on the go. Um, yeah. We all know somebody, and sometimes it's that person that's looking us in the mirror. We all know somebody that dr- dreams the dream and can talk the, and talk the big dream and talk it all that. What are one or two things that would separate somebody that can talk the game 
versus somebody that actually gets it done. What what would you suggest that you want to leave with people here that would make that key distinction between the talk and the getter done? The acknowledgement, the this, this self-acknowledgement. And here's where it is. And I learned this from a very early age. And it's actually the mantra for all entrepreneurs. And if it's not your mantra, it should be after this show. The first time you do anything, it will be shit. And that's the defining moment. The first time you do anything, the first time that you did a podcast, the first time that you tried to write some marketing copy, the first time you tried negotiating a deal, compared to what it is now, makes that first attempt shit. Okay? It's like a baby walking. Your baby can't run until they first learn how to stumble. So the great Ari Mizell always used to say, hey, to get good, first get going. And that's it. It's all to do with momentum. For those talkers out there talking a good talk, good for you. Go and sit in the corner. But for those people that actually want to do something, momentum. Step out. Get off the chair. Take one foot towards that goal. You may slip. You may fall over. You may fail. But now you're experienced. Get going and then get good. Yep. I, I would, I'm going to phrase in there as you may not may, you will, you will stumble and you will fall flat on your face, but it's the doingness of it that where all the magic and power comes. Oh, oh, yeah. oh thank you, Steve. Now, I could, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. Um, and, uh, and once again, thank you very much. Uh, one of the quotes, and, and here's how I kind of end off my podcast. I do two things. I share some gratitude. So number one is I wanted to just share with you how you're showing up, how you help. Like I belong to some Facebook groups that you're in and I can't believe how many times you jump in and you provide some inspiration and some knowledge and some humor. And you you just, you, you do what you tell people to do, like reach out, connect with people and you do it. You're not just one of those ivory tower people that just here's the philosophy and here's the stuff like that. You actually do it. And I, I would consider you the everyday um, mindset, personal development person that just resonates wow. with so many people. You know, you know the Tony Robbins of the world, the Ed Milets, you know, all those kind of people, they're fantastic. They, you're just somebody who just resonates with everybody. You, you truly are. And I know that just because that's who you are and it's also a little bit of by design, but most importantly, you just show up as yourself. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Thank you. And one of the quotes very early in your book that you shared was a quote from your dad is that nobody ever drowned by falling in the water, you drown by staying in the water, okay? And as that as a backdrop, um, a question I like to ask people towards the end of the podcast is, if somebody's sitting here and they're feeling stuck, right? They just don't know what to do. They don't know the next step. And they've heard this wonderful, entertaining podcast from a bricklayer from, from London and a, a guy from small town Saskatchewan that grew up in a trailer park. And, uh, and they're just not sure what the next steps. If you were sitting and having a coffee with that person, how would you leave that person with a little bit of an inspirational message about getting unstuck? It's never about the next step. It's about the first step. So whatever it is you're trying to do, try it. You know, if you've got a great concept, go on Facebook and go, hey, does anyone have this problem? Because I've got a solution. If no one answers you, you've, no, you've not got a market. You know, if you're trying to do something, 
then put it out there and go, hey, has anyone ever tried to do this? What was your release? Get some action. Momentum starts with that first step. Don't worry about the next step. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about your 10-month plan. If you're doing a business plan and you can fit it on more than the back of a postcard, then that's too much information, okay? So just take that first step. Try it and then take the next step. Build up that momentum. Wow. I I feel like I can go punch an elephant right now or something, huh? (laughs) That's not very nice, poor elephant. Well, yeah, yeah, I I agree. So, um, Steve, one more time, um, I'm going to share your your um, your website here for as well. Um, What would be the best place if anybody ever wanted to reach out, uh, social media wise? Where do you kind of hang your hat? Where's Where's the best place to get a hold of you? Um, I'm Steve D. Sims anywhere you get your media. So if you if you prefer Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, I suppose I actually post more on Instagram. Um, but I'm Steve D. Sims absolutely everywhere. Nice. Well, you have a, a huge fan here. I love your book. Thank I recommend you. it all the time. And if there's anything I can do to help you further your cause, by all means, please let me know. And in my humble way, I would like to, whatever I can do to help you uh, further your cause, you know, by all means, please let me know. Thank you. Thank you for being there. All right, everybody. Have yourself a wonderful day. This is a conversation between myself and Steve D. Sims about getting stuff done. Have a wonderful day, everybody. So gang, what's your thoughts? Did you enjoy this conversation? And and did I hit Steve over the head, you know, pun intended, right off the bat with a really tough, hard-hitting question? I just love the conversation. I love connecting with amazing people that have done amazing things, amazing people that help facilitate amazing experiences and results for other people, amazing people that just come from their heart, share, they have a servant's attitude, and just help other people move forward. Okay, gang, like I said, my voice box is really going on me here, and it's going quick, and this is not usual, so I, I, I need to take care of it, or, or I need to go probably see a doctor, because something might be coming on. That's usually when I start seeing or hearing things in the voice, is when maybe I need to go um, rest the old voice box, but more importantly, maybe something is starting to kick in into the system here as well. Anyways, I'll keep it really tight, but I will not end this podcast until you know what comes at the end. Ladies and gentlemen, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.